Look, let's just forget about the whole thing. I ought to be inside, celebrating. Look at yourself. You're gonna be... Look at yourself. You're gonna be a head man, and now you're shaking like a kid who broke his first window. Lay off me, will ya? I told ya. You're not gonna do it. We'll never get another chance like this again. Never. I'm thinking of you. Suppose we get caught. Were you ever caught? Never. Because you jumped in and you did what you had to do. What's stopping you now? Hello and welcome to The Scottish Film, a podcast that is not about Scottish films. I'm Paul Salt. And I'm Katie Maiden. We continue to review all the Mackie Bees that we can lay our hands on. And what a ride it's been so far, Paul. What an absolute ride through the Scottish Highlands and beyond. <laughs> and, and all the way across the Atlantic. All the way across the pond, because this week we are reviewing 1955's Joe Macbeth. Joe Macbeth. But let's just forget the whole thing. I ought to be inside, celebrate. Look at yourself. You're going to be head man and you're shaking like a kid who broke his first window. Lay off me, will you? I told you I'm not going to do it. I'll never get another chance like this again. Never. I'm thinking of you. Suppose we get caught. Were you ever caught? Never. Because you jumped in and did what you had to do. What's stopping you now? What a guy. A gritty film noir shot in England by an English director, Ken Hughes, who is best known for his early non-canonical Bond film Casino Royale, not the Daniel Craig one, and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, not the Daniel Craig one. <laughs> I, wow, I can't believe that this kind of fits into... Those are three very disparate yeah. films. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the Casino Royale is like a farce. It's the one with Peter Sellers in it, and it's like a sort of wacky kind of goofy deal so it's kind of closer to chitty chitty bang bang but this is out of step for him yeah this is it, it's a gangster movie with a twist yeah absolutely. a shakespearean <laughs> twist a, sh- a twist of shakespeare yeah let's start with his hour upon the stage how was the film as a film i enjoyed it yeah. i thought it was uh it was quite fun mm. it was you know the gangster bits were were good were good mm. in parts Mm. Um, I thought there were some good performances. Oh, yeah. Um, I liked the costumes. I liked the set. And it wasn't like amazing cinema, but it was very watchable. Yeah, definitely. And I found it a little slow and unfocused at first because we're kind of moving about the place and we don't really have Macbeth as the like main character yet because we ha- we start with a long death scene of like a rival mobster, who- which is meant to be like the battle at the beginning of Macbeth, I guess. And then we spend an unreasonable amount of time with a side character and his um, poison taster. It's um, Big Dutch and his um, taster, who is um, Lenny, I think? Benny. I loved Dutch. (laughs) Dutch was hilarious. Taste it. But Dutch, you know I don't like oysters. Taste it. But you promised me when I took this job I wouldn't have to taste oysters or clams. You get paid for tasting what I eat. Only you taste it first. So, for the listeners out there, Dutch is not a character that's in Macbeth no. at any point. It's I don't think. No, he's not an analog at all. It's like no, he, Mac- he's just mm. a different. He's like an extra character they've added into this mobster kind of take on Macbeth. Yeah, he's a and rival he's this gangster, bombastic fat Sam yeah. from Bugsy Malone style <laughs> guy who eats 
what did he say a million oysters a year or yeah something? something like that he eats a lot of oysters he loves that and it, yeah like he said he has this food taste he has a taste of his food <laughs> and it's just this weird subplot that i just loved because yeah, he was just so ridiculous because what he's there to do is to demonstrate that our boy joe Macbeth. He is spending a lot of time taking care of his boss's business. Business. His boss is rather complicatedly named um, uh, Duca. Duke. Yeah, Del Duca. Or the Duke. The yeah, Duke. But so we've obviously got the Duncan. Duke and Big yeah. Dutch. Yeah, and the Duke is uh, Duncan, and he's basically there to represent the fact that Joe Macbeth is basically his bagman. So yep. I guess it's kind of like the battle at the beginning again, but we've already seen that with the other guy get murdered, and it's anyway. So yes, we spent a fair amount of time with him. Once we then get focused on Macbeth and his challenges and Lady Macbeth and all of the things going on there, then I got super into it. And it was actually then really interesting. That's when it becomes mm. the story of Macbeth. Essentially, because yeah. Because obviously in the two films we've seen so far mm. and in the play, Macbeth becoming like higher up in the pecking order uh-huh. when when he becomes king of... Oh, it? I'm always going to mix up Glams and... Um... The other one. <laughs> du- Duquesne? Is that how you pronounce no. Dunsinane. Dunsinane. Dunsinane so. is the one he inherits. He already has glams. That's yeah, it. okay. So yeah. when he becomes king of Dunsinane, mm. is in the the film that we just watched, Joe Macbeth. Yeah. That's him getting the lake house. The, the I think yes. it's called uh, the house on Lake Drive or something. Yeah, yeah. And... That happens like half an hour into this yeah, ninety minute movie. While. So Macbeth doesn't actually really begin until about half an hour into the movie. <laughs> yeah, and then it's another half an hour for the first two acts. We've got uh the Duke getting murdered at about an hour in, and then the last half yeah, hour dude. is constant. Yeah, it's like the, so in the as again in the last two movies we've seen and in the play, mm. Duncan is murdered like pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. Um and then I liked it. I liked the build up to that, but yeah, and there was there was a massive build up to it because it yeah. happened, as you say, like two thirds of the way in. Yeah. So uh, more notes on the film. Some really dramatic editing. There was a great bit where it cut from a car crash to a baby crying, and it was a really good sort of match cut there, which I really liked. And it damaged it. It, it did what a lot of the um, the sort of uh, the film is doing really well, which is that the violent moments land really well. There's some pretty brutal moments in here when things when people get murdered and such. It's very dramatic. Yeah, and there's there's like some classic like gangster parts as well, mm. you know, where there's um, they're shooting up Dutch's um like club or whatever. Yeah. It's very like a, a Bugsy Malone with the big guns and the <laughs> and the like rounds of bullets. Yeah, and, and um hits. and also the music, the jazz music, especially yeah. right at the beginning. It's very <laughs> Macbeth, but it was also very jazz. Yeah. I got really excited when the first thing that happens in this movie is sultry kind of jazz and a credit for Big Dutch. That's when I knew I was in for some a treat. <laughs> I cannot wait to meet Big Dutch. and you were not disappointed i was not another really good cinematic twist i liked and this is a little getting a little close to differences from shakespeare but in the bit where lady Macbeth, i don't know her name in this is it lily lily yeah lily she goes to get the dagger out of the body because it's been left there um and while she's gone he doesn't monologue he doesn't talk um say anything he just looks up and there are seagulls like swarming around him and you know he's they're getting more intense and louder and it's just this soundtrack of seagulls and yeah, that was really good. That was a good. I was sort of not a fan indicator. of that bit. No, of course. <laughs> For the listeners out there, I am not a fan of birds. So that no. bit, I had to like grit my teeth and be like, "Look at the birds." <laughs> um, oh man! 
Yeah. yeah, one of the most tense films that we watched together last year was The Witch, because there was a scary-ass bird in it. Not a you meant bird. The Lighthouse, not The I Witch. meant The Lighthouse. The Witch 2, a lighthouse. <gasps> the Witch 2, colon, The Lighthouse. <laughs> I mean, I had one massive surprise. The guy playing our Banquo looked a bit familiar, and I thought, who is that? Who's that Banquo? It's bloody yeah. Sid James. Look, Mac, maybe what happened happened not because Rosie said it would, but because you did what she said. <laughs> British what? comedian, yeah, it's Sid. I, I really didn't recognize him. I only got him the second time when I went back to check how many murderers there were, and it's like that is Sid James of Carry On fame, of, ca- of Carry On, of Carry, carry on, on, Sid James, Carry On Macbeth. He's playing Banky, <laughs> our Banquo of this. Yes, Banky. That's what I was going to mention. So Banquo, <laughs> and again, there's another. Uh, difference there with the timing mm. but we can talk about that well let's in- get into it let's get into fair as foul and foul as fair how close are we to shakespeare not very close i mean okay they took some stuff yeah from shakespeare and they put it into a gangster movie yeah. so a they called it he, the main character joe Macbeth, uh-huh. and he has a you know saucy wife uh-huh. who's who's a bit part. of a yeah um, and then they have like Duncan, who's like the king pin. Yeah, and yes. And they have Banky, who is Banquo, and his son Lenny, who is both Fleance and Malcolm, essentially. Yeah, and yeah. Macduff. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's yeah. no Macduff character in this. <laughs> no, he's essentially the avenging youth. All of yes, them. <laughs> exactly. And then and then they have other like various other gangsters who are the the you know the, the army. Yeah. And they take the basic storyline of a man. Mm. making his way to the top of a rank yeah um but there's no shakespearean language there's a quote at the beginning oh there a is a quote, quote at the beginning and a quote at the end and we also get some uh of the witch um oh one line she yes, delivers a line <laughs> when shall we tree meet again in thunder lightning or in rain power tricks rosie stinks <laughs> the timing is messed with as we've alluded to before yeah. so Duncan is killed quite a bit later on. Banquo mm. is killed after Duncan. Yeah, that's usual, right? Banquo after Duncan. Yeah, but yeah. like, still, it's really late on. It is late on, yeah. Banquo's yeah. nearly killed near the end. It's almost the sort of inciting action for the climax. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, Lenny's uh, wife and child are killed, which ties in with him being... Yeah, McDuff, you know, the, uh, Macduff as well Macduff as, <laughs> as well as being Malcolm and yeah. the rest of the youth which makes sense although it does mean that Banquo is a grandfather <laughs> at the point when the movie's um, going which is an interesting angle because Fleance is usually portrayed as a boy and um, Banquo and Macbeth are, are usually sort of contemporaries which adds to the contention yeah. why not me but it's interesting making Banky older because then it's even more so you know why not him yeah I guess they made Lenny a bit older so mm. they could make him both yeah. Um, Banquo's son and Macduff. Absolutely. And Malcolm. Yeah. And I like the fact that succession is actually a point of contention here. You know, because Macbeth gets away with it pretty cleanly. And we've talked before, you know, how come he gets to become king. And he does it pretty cleanly by killing off Top Dog and then accusing Next in Line of being the murderers. Here, yes. he doesn't do that. And in fact, the fact that he manages to snatch the crown basically just by... I don't know, ballsing his way into it, you know, just talking his way into it, becomes like a big point of contention that everybody talks about. And it, later on, he basically manages to hold on to the position just by force because he gets um, one of his men to beat up another man. Lenny, in fact. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just basically like, I don't know, he 
you know, Lenny says to Bank Banky or mm. Bankwo, um, you know, it should have been you. Like, why yeah. is it not you? You've been here just as long as, as Joe Macbeth has. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, like it's that line of succession contention is yeah. still there. Um, we also have the witch. We One do have witch. the yeah. We have a witch, Rosie. <laughs> Rosie. Rosie is a kind of psychic. She, she is, has tarot yeah. cards and crystal balls, and then and then she starts selling chestnuts. Yes, she gives up on. Well, she's uh, selling flowers <laughs> early on, but she says that flowers die too easily, so she moves into chestnuts. <laughs> and it's like what um, I liked Rosie. She was Rosie's cool character. Great. She was fun. What's to be done must be done. Even you can't stop it. Rosie, you talk too much. Are you afraid of words? I'm not afraid of anything. So long as you have no fear, nothing shall stop you. Tell me, Rosie, who's going to die? Only Macbeth can answer that. I was a bit confused at the beginning yeah. over whether Duchy was Duncan or... And then, obviously, I realised that Duncan was obviously the Duke. Yeah, Duke, yeah. <laughs> Makes more sense, but it was a little bit confusing at the beginning. Me too. But I got the basic storyline is there. Mm, it definitely is. Um, I will say one thing: it does better. Motivation is really strong in this one because yeah. Lily doesn't just want Macbeth to take the crown, you know, to be king because it's great. She's really scared because. Yes, I wrote that down too. Yeah, the number two position keeps on getting emptied. Because they keep getting screwed over. And I found that really interesting. You know, that's a good reason to want to be king. Is I don't want to just be another guy who gets bumped off. Yeah, and motivation. And just the fact that Lady Macbeth is worried because they keep bumping off the sort of hench, the second in command. So it's not a great position to be in for very long. Yes, she she has this really great bit where she talks about being in like the address book or phone book or something. Yeah, yeah, for jobs. And she says, your name is on page one. Yeah. Or no, when is your name going to be on page one kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so the only way that she realizes that, that Macbeth will be like fully safe mm. yeah. is if he is in charge. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise he's never going to be fully safe. Yeah, uh, and, and definitely. And also anyone who's not the boss is getting dirty work, which puts them at risk, you know, because, yeah. and that's why we see at the beginning, he's doing jobs for his boss. He's killing off, you know, um, Big Dutch. And he's doing all this stuff and it's just not a great position to be in. And that's interesting because we really, I think Shakespeare's interest was to just show that the only thing that undoes Macbeth is his own ambition. That everything would be sweet if he just accepted his own position and didn't crave for more. But And also the witches, you know, sort of stir, stirring his intent. It's really interesting, the idea here that it's just, this is a bad world, you know, and these characters are acting kind of out of desperation to try and be safe, but ultimately there is no safe because the the actions he takes immediately start undoing everything that he has. So at the beginning, you kind of like you think he's like the good guy at the beginning. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to know who the good guy is really because actually you don't really like Duncan either. This is the first one where mm. where Duncan is actually like kind of a baddie. He is like kind he's of. kind of arrogant dick. Yeah. Yeah, and he keeps sending people to go kill other people and stuff, and it's it's kind of it creates kind of a nihilistic story in this sense because there's no real fealty, just people getting revenge, you know. It's it's mm. and the death of that guy's family hit me a lot harder, maybe because it was set in modern times, you know, and we also see also the, out there the with fact a that there was a baby. Yeah, I don't yeah. like it when there's a baby. <laughs> I like it when it's an, an annoying kid who does poetry and everyone. Kind yeah, of that happy that kid can. 
go away. But when <laughs> the baby hasn't done anything to you. Also, the wife was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a bleak situation. So, but and that's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting to have a story where the whole world is as rotten as Macbeth is. Yeah. A couple of other points that we usually hit upon. Extra ghosts. No ghosts, really. I mean, No get... ghosts. Only one witch, so... Yeah, one witch, no ghosts. Bad <laughs> That's the next autobiography. <laughs> one witch, no ghosts. <laughs> this is my new sandwich order. Um, <laughs> Ross's poker face? None. He has a fun guessing game. Hold it, Lenny. What do you want here? I got something to tell you. Who sent you, Mac? No. All right, what is it? Oh, come on, what is it? It's your wife and kid, Lenny. What about my wife and kid? They're dead, Lenny. I got some bad news for you. Guess what's happened, (laughs) hey? (laughs) I got some bad news. Oh, yeah, what's that? It's about your family. Oh, yeah, how come? They're dead. How so dead? (laughs) It's just like this funnel question. It's like dead, dead. They're dead. (laughs) Killed by Macbeth. Why, I oughta... (laughs) Let me at him. (laughs) Let me at him. Puppy power. Oh, porter speech. We get the porter. He has a couple yes. of lines. Funny, but not really saucy. Knocking, knocking, always knocking. If I was butler in hell, I wouldn't have to answer the door more often. <laughs> no, not saucy. He's like more, I don't know, drunk, but mm. not saucy. <laughs> I, and I hate that. I hate that. That's the worst combination of things. <laughs> <laughs> when you're drunk, but not saucy. Oh, no. I drank oh, too much no. again. Oh, I hate that. I'm going to drink more until I'm saucy again. So, trammel up the consequence. Did they actually show the murder? Yes. They did. But not like they shot between the murder and Lady Macbeth's face. Yeah. It's kind so of there was, Because it was like in the water. So hmm. the murder of um, the Duncan character in this instance yes, happens a in a lake. So he is stabbed, but in a lake. So there's a lot of like splashing around. <laughs> yeah. Macbeth goes up to the bedroom, but he's not there. He surprises Lady Macbeth on the stairway going out for yeah. a late, late night swim. And almost there was almost a potential there for an extra layer of skeeviness. Because I did not get the impression that Duncan was hitting on Lady Macbeth, but he could have. And that would have made it like creepier. Yeah, I thought he might have been a little bit of hit on yeah. her. Because he was like, you're a very lucky man, Macbeth. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I and mean, come swim with me in the middle of the night. In a wholesome way. And she's like, yeah, that sounds legit. But then obviously she doesn't go swimming. Macbeth goes swimming, kills Duncan in the lake, and the the life gets stuck in Duncan. Yeah, and they've got to get it back, not to frame anyone, because they haven't really thought that far ahead, but because someone might find the knife and find it incriminating. More incriminating than, say, the the guy just dying in his house. Yeah. So (laughs) they didn't really Mm, have an exit strategy. Also, he... One thing that I noticed is mm. that they have this big party to yeah. celebrate their new house. Mm. Um, and then Lenny Macbeth says to uh, Duca, hey, why don't you spend the weekend? And yeah. he's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, where's all his shit? Like, where's his <laughs> extra pants and his toothbrush? <laughs> Where is and his like, extra pants? You don't just randomly spend the night unless you are at a house party. And well, you're, you're like... Well, it kind of is like a house party, but, you know, not that kind of house party. Katie, you've got to understand how it works at the top. When (laughs) when you're at the top, you want underpants, you can just snap your fingers and underpants will happen. Underpants will appear. They will happen for you. So, so yes, it was quite a dramatic murder. By relocating it to the lake and illuminating it in moonlight, it was kind of Hitchcockian. Yeah, and also, like, it's not... When you've got Duncan asleep in the bed, it's Mm. obviously 
or obvious that Macbeth is going to succeed because yeah. someone's asleep. You just stab him. You know, yeah, we yeah. talked about this whole thing where you could just go upstairs, stab him, come back mm. down. Whereas you go in a lake, it could, you know, he could drown. Yeah, but yeah. it could get turned around. Mm. So you know, it was more like dramatic in that sense. That is an interesting point that we can come back to. Does it show the murder? Yes or no? If it does, is Duncan awake when it happens? Because I'm sure I've seen a version where he like wakes up and looks in horror and then... You know, I can't remember. Is does when Macbeth comes back in the play, does he imply that Duncan was awake? I don't think he does. He just says he heard a voice after he did after he did it. Yeah, I don't think I. I think he's not awake in the play, but we don't yeah. know because it's not in the play. So. Sure, but I don't think Macbeth mentions him being awake. But that'll be worth keeping a track, keeping an eye on, because obviously more awake is more. Oh, I don't know. You could make it dramatic both ways. I mean, stabbing a sleeping man is pretty upsetting. <laughs> As a concept, I I I imagine. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what bloody man is that? Macbeth is who it is. And we have Paul Douglas as Macbeth. How do we find Paul Douglas? He was good. Mm. He was like this kind of the Irishman style chubby <laughs> henchman. Yeah. Looks like you uh, started the meeting without me. Whose idea was this? Yeah. Boys are a little unhappy about the way things are being run, Mac. Yeah? What's the trouble? What is it you don't like so much? Huh? You, you're a bright-eyed little guy. What's your story? He doesn't really fit into the mold of, like, a kingpin. And I think that's Ooh. why it doesn't work out for him. Yeah. Because he's, like, the chubby henchman. He doesn't that, have the charisma that, to keep them yeah. all together. And I don't know how he managed to get Lily, because she's a hot piece. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, But, yeah, he was he was good, as in his acting was good. Mm. But the, the character of Macbeth was different because it was very, like, yeah, like I said, he, he doesn't seem like he fit into the king mold. Yeah, I didn't get much in the way of sort of... I mean, later on, they kind of work as like a couple who have been together forever. They actually get married at the beginning of this. And that their their chemistry isn't great sort of right off the bat. But later on, they do fit into this kind of natural mold of sort of, you know, husband and wife, which I quite liked. But yeah, he's very much an Edward G. Robinson, James Cagney mob guy in an old-fashioned sense. And uh, yeah, an older gentleman as well. I thought he was believable. He was believable enough in his role, seemed comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. And as like you say with um, Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, one of the things mm. that I made note of is their mm. bickering was really yes. good. It's like <laughs> that couple that has spent too much time together when, mm. for example, you're in isolation. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, hi, Matt. And um, <laughs> yeah, like... You're watching Hi, Matt again. <laughs> again. Again. Um, yeah, so when you're like, you know, they're bickering and he's like, what took you so long? And she's like, I was asleep. And he was like, well, get up faster kind of thing. And <laughs> it, it was the kind of believable bickering of yeah. a couple that's been together for a long time, which was weird seeing as they got married at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's weird that because there is a, a, a common trait of this time of characters not quite playing the age. I just watched um, David Lean's excellent adaptation of uh, Great Expectations, but it does have like a 45-year-old man playing a 20-year-old. And it does mean that I don't know how old anyone is ever meant to be in these things, in particular how old this Macbeth is meant to be. Um, It doesn't get referenced in dialogues, I assume it's not meant to be important, but yeah, it's hard to tell, (laughs) because it does just look like there's a big old age difference there. Um, But speaking of whom, the serpent under it. 
rate that Lady Macbeth, Ruth Roman in this case. Yeah, I... I... One of the first things that I made note of as Lady Macbeth is smoking. Yeah. What are you, Joe? Just a name in a little black book? How many names are in that book? I don't know, but mine is on page one. So wasn't Tommy's on page one? Wasn't little Mike's on page one? What happened to those pages? It's not going to happen to me. Just hear Tommy and little Mike saying those same things. For crying out loud, what do you want? We got the house, we got money, we're sitting pretty. Isn't that enough? No, Joe, it isn't. Well, what do you want? Will you tell me what do you want? I want to feel safe, Joe. There's only one way you can be sure that your page isn't torn out of that book. How? You got to own the book, Joe. She is beautiful. She mm. is like sexy. Um, <laughs> she is sassy. Uh, but also, like we mentioned earlier, she is like concerned yeah. for Macbeth. She's mm. not like this scheming. Well, she is kind of scheming, but she's not this like 100% scheming witch. Yeah. She is more like we need to do this so we're safe yeah, yeah. and so you if you're the boss then you're not going to get killed and yeah and yeah. she's also um the bit so she goes crazy yep but she goes crazy just yes. after she's seen the death of the Lenny's family, family. Yeah. like and you would go crazy if you'd seen yeah. the dead baby especially if you sure. caused it if you'd kind of caused it inadvertently through your actions, yeah, because yeah, you would you would have like crippling guilt. Yeah, that's what that was my main note on her is that that her her madness is my favorite madness so far because she is firsthand there to experience because the murder's by accident. Macbeth doesn't plan to murder Lenny's family; he accidentally does it because his men um, screw up uh, kidnapping her because that's what they really want to do, and so. She is there entirely by happenstance because she thought she might be able to sweet talk her way into getting Lenny to do what they want. She brings a doll with her for the baby. And yeah, it just gets really grim and it makes her descent into madness at the end seem all the more believable. And yeah. her fate isn't to commit suicide, but to be accidentally killed by Macbeth moments before his own death, which is an interesting change. Yes, I noticed that too. I wrote, I kind of, he gets like this almost like, two seconds to realize yeah. what he's done before yeah. he's shot mm. so he Just... shoots her by accident sees mm. that he's done it goes yeah. into this like horrible grief for like two seconds and then gets shot himself yeah. so the last thing he sees is having shot yeah. his wife it's a really bleak ending because then after that lenny he doesn't get to be king he goes out to get murdered by the police suicide by cops yeah which yeah it's just because his family's gone as well so yeah, it's a super dark ending. But I guess Macbeth is kind of a dark ending because Macduff becomes king, right? But his family is dead as well. So, ah, well, we'll just get another one. Malcolm becomes king. Oh, Ma- oh right. Okay, so we assume But Mac- Macduff, his- yeah, his family are dead. And yeah. we don't know Macduff's fate, I don't think. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, but it's a super bleak ending here. Yeah. Okay. Bleak. We- but bleak, also like actually 50s. very good. Yeah, definitely. A really yep. fitting kind of ending to it okay weirdest sister um how do we find that witch <laughs> um well she wasn't really a witch yeah she was a kind yeah, of a 
tarot card reading. Kind of a tramp character. You yeah, know, trampy. Yeah. But she was like kind of jolly. And yeah. She was known about town. Bit of comedic relief. Not Bit scary. Bit of comedic relief. And she had the one Macbeth line. Yep. <laughs> she said like double, double, toil and trouble. <laughs> um, Which was cute. She wasn't yeah. scary. No, not scary. This wasn't not a scary, scary witch. She was a comedic relief kind of witch. But it, there's some interesting stuff done with her. I like the idea that she was interrupted. Because in the opening fortune-telling bit, Macbeth tells her to go away, you know, having heard enough. And maybe she would have gone on to then reveal the further bits of the prophecy. And so maybe that's another element of him being a a victim of his own hubris. As opposed to Shakespeare's Macbeth, where it's very much a case of the witches kind of misled him. (laughs) Yeah, like kind of deliberately. Yeah. (laughs) No, um, you know, Forrest coming to... uh, In fact, I don't know what the content... Because he meets her again. Um, after the murder and just before everything goes to shit where she's selling chestnuts. I, I can't remember the content of that meeting or if there's any further prophecies. I don't think so. I think it was no. just like, hey, I'm saying chestnuts. You want some? And he's like, this is confusing, but fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess like they were like, oh, we should probably put her in again, seeing as she's in, like they're in the play three times. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she doesn't say anything about the forest or of a woman, woman born. born or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Eh, I guess that's fair enough because it is the more supernatural kind of stuff, you know. I guess because the yeah the prophecy at the beginning you could reasonably just say to a, a high up in the mafia, "Hey, you might become king," and that might be a thing. But yeah, I, I I'm still waiting. I guess for one of these things to have more of a tie in and more of a motivation for the witches. Like, what are they up to? What are they trying yeah. to do? Let's write some fan fiction from the perspective <laughs> of the witches. Yeah, let's. Do- oh my god, it could be like Grey. <laughs> The story that retells Fifty Shades of Grey from the perspective of Christian Grey. It could be like that, but for the, the witches. Of, of which I own a copy. Oh and my have God. never actually read. I promised <laughs> my best friend, I promised Vaya that I would record it for her <laughs> as an audiobook. But I just like baby. can't, I can't do it without laughing. Like, I can't. No, it's going to be insane. And apparently his, <laughs> his perspective is even more psychopathic than is implied by Fifty Shades of Grey. Like it's full on Patrick Bateman. Um, he needs not our mistrust. Third murderer is not present. No, no two, third murderer. They get their value for money with the two murderers, though. They stick around and kind of become Macbeth's henchmen. Yeah, they have, like, breakfast or something yeah. at one point. <laughs> they're here, and they're here until the end, and they decide at the last minute to abandon Macbeth, but too late, as it turns out, because the rival gangsters show up and kill them. Yeah, and also, can I just side hmm. note, like my side note from last week, great hair. <laughs> really great hair they have these quiffs Ooh. they're henchmen oh great quiffs <laughs> quiff power mm-hmm. so i guess that brings us to our last segment a charmed life and it's katie shakespeare fact oh my shakespeare fact today is did you know paul that there are more than 80 variations on the spelling of william shakespeare's name really but none of them are how we spell it today uh, oh my god how so so the Wait. way that we spell William Shakespeare, yeah. there are no instances in written documentation where he or anybody else spells it like that. Good Lord, how bizarre. Yeah. So we just kind of settled on it in the same way that we kind of invented the word aluminium in order to sound more like the other things we were comfortable with. Yeah. So we just basically made it up. <laughs> this is how it should be spelled. Yep. Um, oh, I guess my guess is that 
I mean, I'm sure I could look this up, but I didn't. Um, I'm guessing the etymology evolved over time. Yeah. And we have just kind of settled on this one. But yeah, 80 variations and none of them are the one we use today. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, all right, toots. We best beat it before the fuzz arrive. But where can people hear more about you and your stuff? Um, we can learn more. We, you can learn more about my stuff at katiewritesabout.com and at Twitter uh, at katiewritesabout. And you can listen to my other podcast, Have You Ever Heard Of, which is a history podcast. Hmm. Uh, what about you, Paul? What about me? Well, I am here in the kingdom of Screen Mayhem, writing my reviews, trying to see movies that I can write about wherever I can. And, um, yeah, also at One Good Thing podcast, uh, reviewing bad movies and finding nice things to say about them. Yay. Uh, yay. So, yeah, but come right back here next time, where I am thrilled to say that we shall be discussing Akira Kurosawa's adaptation of Macbeth, Throne of Blood. Yay, I'm so happy, and Matt, my boyfriend, will be yay. happy to actually join me this time in watching <laughs> Throne of Blood, which I'm sure all three of us have seen already, but mm. I will rewatch for oh, this man very podcast and i cannot wait for you Yay. to be speaking some oh my god we're gonna have to learn the japanese <laughs> japanese no i don't i don't even know if there is a lady macbeth we're gonna have to look <laughs> i don't think there is i'll just do the ava voice you'll have to be banquo okay so yes join us for throne of blood or the equally excellently named cobweb castle as it is Ooh. in the japanese but yes it's going to be See so good. See you next good. time. Yeah, away and mock the time with fairer show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. Bye. Bye. Bye.